The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Not just Wayne. And they gave us the safety certificate. See? So we'll finally get a chance to introduce ourselves to you in song right after this archery demonstration. Archery demonstration? Who put that in the cue cards? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. And it's a show in which everyone dies every episode. Whitney. Ah! I'm not going to say anything because I was already dead, you see. Oh, I see. Like you're you're recording with a corpse. I get it. Uh, This week on Cancel Too Soon, we're reviewing one of Whitney's holy grails. Oh, golly, yes. Um... By the way, I'm William Bibiani. Oh, and I'm Whitney Seibold. Everyone calls me Bibbs. Uh, if, if this is your first time, that's that's the William and I'm the Whitney. And uh, yeah, we talk about short-lived TV shows. And this is one I've been wanting to do since we started Cancel Too Soon. Uh, this is one that I also have not been able to track down since Cancel Too Soon, uh, the beginning of Cancel Too Soon. And uh, thanks to a very understanding fan, we were granted access to it. Yes. And... Uh, do you want to give a shout-out? Uh, Lucas. Yeah. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you. You, Lucas, you made l- Whitney's year. You, you made, you made uh, my much of everything, because this is something I had been trying to track down uh, ever since the VHS I used to tape it broke <laughs> sometime back in the <laughs> mid-1990s. Um, but this is a, a sketch comedy show from 1992. It aired on Fox. It was created by David Merkin uh, and starred and was uh, headwritten by Julie Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it informed a lot of my sense of humor at the time. And Lucas, uh, stop playing with the jingle bell. <laughs> there's a cat in the room playing with a jingle bell. Okay, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, it, it had a really weird, dark sense of humor, and uh, it was called The Edge. Which made it really difficult to look up in the age of the internet, because... <laughs> Not only was there a feature film called The Edge, but that's such a, a nondescript phrase that you can't just look up The Edge TV show and find exactly what you're looking for. And in fact, it's actually like, it was, Loka, will you knock that off? Leave the cats alone. Loka. Mm. Uh, Entertainment Weekly gave mm. it a B-minus review and called it edgy. <laughs> as, as well it should be. Yeah. Uh, the Edge mm. aired on Fox mm. from September 8th, I'm sorry, September 19th, 1992, mm. through May 2nd, 1993. It uh, was canceled after the end of that season. It was a show that was... Are we good, Luca? <laughs> Did we lose your ball? We record with cats, by the way. If, we this, do. Is your, if this is your first episode. <laughs> we have many cats. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so yeah, uh, what happened was uh, David American and Julie Brown mm. uh, had put together a pilot a, a, for the Julie a cu- Brown A couple at the time. Yeah, they put together a pilot called the Julie Brown Show that did not take or, off. It was called Julie Brown colon The Show. Yeah. Not to be confused with Downtown Julie Brown, the show. No, Downtown Julie Brown was a different person. That's another thing that made this really difficult to look up. Yes. Because Julie Brown, first of all, it's kind of a plain name. Yeah, there are probably uh, a lot of Julie Brands yeah. out there. Uh, first of all, she's a brilliant comedian. I really, really admire her. She's like on a Ferris, uh, you know, in, in her, just her willingness to be silly. Um, but yeah, then around the time she was like her star was at its peak, another performer named Downtown Julie Brown started to take the spotlight. So whenever you brought up Julie Brown, people would ask, "Oh, the Downtown Julie?" No, no, this is 
This is the Uptown Julie Brown. Julie Brown. This is a Van Nuys Julie Brown. Julie Brown started referring to herself as Miss Julie Brown. Mm. And to make matters more complicated, they would sometimes do bits together on MTV. Yeah. (sighs) Just because it was funny, but it also kind kind of smothered a lot of Julie Brown's career, which was... It was never at the never really super high, but she was always recognizable. Mm-hmm. She was the the mastermind behind Earth Girls Are Easy. That me might be her biggest cinematic claim to fame. I think so. Yeah, uh, she also put out a couple records. Uh, I have uh, have a record trapped in the body of a white girl. Uh, <laughs> Classic, which which, ha- which has you know such hits as I like them big and stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun, which no. was a big hit on the Doctor Demento show, and that's it's, a classic. It's a classic. It's not as funny as it used to be. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she just a brilliant satirist, comedian, and uh, physical performer that uh, does, even though she was famous, didn't get the credit she deserved. Now, on her show, uh, mm. the 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 Edge specifically, mm. uh, we had a regular cast that included Julie Brown, mm. Jennifer Aniston, mm. pre like, pre Friends, Jennifer Aniston, pre Friends, post Leprechaun, yeah, uh, Tom Kenny, who would go on to voice SpongeBob SquarePants, yep. Wayne Knight, who would go on to be Newman. I think he had already Seinfeld. played Newman at this point. So this really? was like mid. Well, because it was a recur, just sort of an occasional role, right? Mm-hmm. It was a recurring role. Yeah. He, uh, so yeah, I think it was like mid Seinfeld. Also joining the cast were Carol Rosenthal, mm-hmm. James Stevens the Third, and Jill Talley, with a bunch of like recognizable actors showing up in extended mm. character bits. Alan Ruck from Ferris Bueller's Day mm. Off who was, was in a bunch of episodes. He was in a bunch of... He was like he was more of a regular than some of the people credited as regulars. Well, I think Rick Overton should have been in the credits. Rick Overton, mm. who was uh, one of the... Um, uh, one of the brownies in Willow. Mm. Uh, he was in Secret Adventures of Jules Verne. He's all over this show. Yeah. He's in like almost every episode of this right. show. And, we, and he, with major roles. Like mm. Paul Feig, who <laughs> went on to direct Bridesmaids, Ghostbusters, so, A Simple yeah. Favor. Uh, he's got little tiny bits in this show because he mm. just was part of that comedy crowd. He, play, he played Axl Rose in one sketch. But Rick Overton is in almost every episode playing major characters. Like mm. it's weird <laughs> that he's not in the credits. It's, mm. it's just laughable. Yeah. Um, other people you might notice uh, there's at least one episode with Condi Alexander in it. Condi Alexander from uh, News Radio. Mm. Um, I don't even think she's credited in the episode, even oh, though wow. she has lines. <laughs> it's weird. Um, uh, okay, yeah, I gotta was, take this ball right, away from the cat. Exactly, I'm gonna but, feel guilty. But, but yeah, there were also other recognizable characters. Uh, later in the show, they actually started to get like recognizable guest stars, and that was after a. a Sort of a turn in the show, which we'll get to. But yeah, we had, uh, as a guest star in one episode, model Kathy Ireland, who is also a a funny comedian in her own right. She's been in a few comedy films. Uh, Uh, Cheers star George George, Wendt. George Wendt showed up in one episode. Um, Yeah, it was really a dynamic cast, uh, most of whom would go on to other things. Uh, I also appreciate that it was a very female forward show. Uh, mm. It was you know run by Julie Brown and Carol Rosenthal and Jennifer Aniston and Jill Talley seemed to get the bulk of the screen time. Jennifer Aniston, I got to give a lot of credit to Jennifer Aniston because I think uh, she she broke mm. out with Friends. She'd done a lot of work before them. Friends mm. was her breakout, and in Friends she played a, a, a character. She wasn't seen as a broad comedian. She didn't even have like as wacky a character as Lisa Kudrow or even Courtney Cox. Really, yeah, she, she was she was the button down boring one comparatively. Yeah, in some respects. And uh, then afterwards, her career was mostly spent like doing rom com. She's done some dramatic work. She was in a film recently called Dumplin', mm-hmm. which is great. She she's really, really good in that. In yeah, that film really too, good yeah. movie. Um, so, but she wasn't she, she known produced to, that too. That was like her passion project. But she wasn't known as a broad comedian, mm. and she throws herself into these sketches. Oh heck yes! Sometimes quite admirably. There's one <laughs> sketch she does uh, where I think it's she plays uh, Regan McNeil, but the Exorcist is the Three Stooges. Uh-huh. that's a great bit. Oh, was that Jennifer Aniston? I thought that was Jennifer Aniston. Oh, I, I couldn't could could tell. They put a lot of makeup on it. I thought that was Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. She 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 throws herself into a lot. We're going to talk about a lot of sketches because the thing with this show is there's no plot. Well, it's a sketch comedy show, so I guess we can go to sort of the tone. First of all, this is 1992. Luca. So, <laughs> the, the cat is now knocking things over. This is 1992, so this was still in the era of really fast MTV edits and a lot of sort of collage imagery. Yeah. Um, basically, they were just... Th- 
flashing things on the screen yeah. to try to get your attention. The opening credits is a collage animated thing of all the characters falling. Mm. So it's almost like the Matrix bullet time effect, but with chintzy collage images like, of everybody. Like stop, yeah, stop motion paper cutout sort of things. And they don't have like a framing device for mm. it. They have a series of just sort of randomized sketches. For most of the show, they actually have the cartoons of Bill Plimpton. That's right. Uh, doing his uh, doing, face gags. Doing, which, yeah, linking material. Well, when, Bill, was, when was Your Face, the film Your Face? It was like, it's it was like 84. This. It, was it was a while ago. Yeah. yeah, he was already well known mm-hmm. for this. Bill Plimpton is an animator. He's mm-hmm. an independent animator. He's made a lot of movies. Uh, I Married a Strange Person, for example. Um, but he's best known for a lot of his uh, short sketches, many mm-hmm. of which involving just the human face doing things the human face should uh, not be able to do. Your Face was in 1987. It was nominated for an Academy Award. Yes, and uh, he kind of rode that wave for a while, and he did a lot of animations along those lines mm-hmm. for various TV shows, and he was all over the edge. Um, well, he, he he was the the Terry Gilliam of the edge. Yeah. And he did all of the linking material, uh, which mean, which is to say... He didn't participate in any of the writing except for the animation. Mm. And, yeah, the animation was just sort of its own little universe unto itself. Yeah. And the, the image would fade away into a Plimpton cartoon. There would be, a, like, a single uh, sight gag. Like, it would just be a, a man in mid-close-up, and something weird would happen to his face. Yeah, he'd sneeze, but then his eyes, nose, and mouth would fly off of his body. And he'd crank, crank his ear, and they'd suck back into his face, and then that, that would fade into the next sketch. Yeah. Uh, we also had a bunch of other random linking material, especially as the series went on, mm. which was very common in like this era of the 80s and 90s to just use like public domain footage of like yeah, a circus, yeah. but say something funny over mm. it mm. or uh, just flash images randomly mm. on the screen. It's like, life, there is no hope. Okay, here's the next set. And this show. was Fox. <laughs> and Fox was really well known for being shameless. Especially about this type of aesthetic. They were trying to court younger demographics. Mm. And in the pilot of The Edge, a bold choice, (laughs) they decided to mercilessly lampoon the most popular shows on Fox. Specifically, Beverly Hills 90210. Mm -hmm. Now, their sketch for Beverly Hills 90210 consisted of the dudes on the show mm. constantly taking off their shirt and having progressively taller hair <laughs> but, over and, the course of the, so, of the show. And their hair was so, so tall and spiky that they would have hair fights. And that they would try each to other with their hair. each other with. And uh, every other line of dialogue was a very special moment about how they learned not to mm. drink, do drugs, or have unprotected sex. Mm. Also, at the end of every one of these 90210 sketches, Tori Spelling, or the actor playing Tori Spelling... It was Carol Rosenthal, yeah. She would come on, and she would just make herself the center of the scene. And everyone's like, why are you here? You're not the center of the scene. Because my dad runs the show! Mm. I can do what I want. This is my daddy's show. Yeah. So, uh... uh, uh, Have noting... Having been around uh, for the early days of 90210 and having watched it... I watched it with my sister. It was her show. Mm -hmm. She got control of the TV, so we sat through her show. Uh, I was so I was familiar with all of the tropes they were doing, and that was dead on. Okay, but here's the here's 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 the issue. Hmm. Uh, Aaron Spelling, who created not hmm. only Beverly Hills 90210 but also Tori Spelling, <laughs> uh, he was not amused, and he threatened to sue the show. Hmm. The show was on his own network. However, the show was originally designed to air on NBC, where taking pot shots at Fox is probably a safer bet. Yeah, well, so the pilot might actually have been like. Pre-Fox, it's hard to say. Maybe it's it's possible that that Fox would allow this because Fox did occasionally allow the shows to to sort of make fun of them. The Simpsons was merciless about. Oh Fox. yeah, it's like the well, Simpsons hated Fox. Let, like let, we're not allowed to watch Fox anymore because they have those missile silos in Syria. <laughs> let Let's just sit down and enjoy some family programming. You are watching Fox. We are watching Fox. Mm. Wow, uh, Fox turned into hardcore pornography so gradually we didn't even notice. <laughs> and uh, there was even, a, uh, I remember, a gag on The X-Files, which also aired on Fox, mm-hmm. about um, Mulder had one of those alien autopsy tapes hosted oh, yeah. by the great Yappy. And, and uh, 
Scully threw off this line about, oh, this one looks even worse than that one Fox broadcasted because they had re- Fox had actually broadcast when it was supposedly a real alien autopsy on television. Of course, the one show on Fox that was very pro Fox was Married with Children, mm. but they were they were pro Fox in a way that was like kind of insulting to Fox. Mm. Like their version of Fox had a hit show called Psycho Dad, like this dad <laughs> who would kill his family whenever they were annoying to him, and it was like airing on Fox, and it'd be like, of course. <laughs> Like, because they loved it, because they were bad people. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was uh, even, uh, there were plenty of gags in The Edge about how awful Fox was. Like, mm. there was a spoof of Herman's head. Oh, uh, my and, God. And we got to go into inside Herman's, and uh, now, if you don't remember Herman's head. You, no one would blame you, but remember the movie Inside Out? Mm. That was Herman's head. That was Herman's head. That Herman, was the concept of a sitcom there, in the 90s. There was a 90s sitcom called Herman's Head, and the, the gag was Herman was just an, an ordinary guy going about his day, having relationship and job issues, but we would occasionally cut to a room that was inside his brain, and we got to see his, I think it was four basic mental components. There yeah. was like his sentimentality, uh, his, uh, his, his, intellect. his anxiety, his intellect, and there was his lust. His anxiety of memory serves dressed like fear from inside out. And behaved that way. Yeah, no, it was, it's a pretty simple, straightforward mm. concept. I'm surprised people didn't make a big deal of it. Inside out is better. <laughs> Most certainly. Like Toy Story, than- Toy Story is eerily similar to a, uh, uh, a Jim Henson Christmas special called The Christmas Toy. If you've ever watched those back to back, you're just sort of like, hey, well, Pixar, wait a Pixar laid the ground with a, a short they did in the 80s called Tin Toy. So it was, it was I'm all just in saying, there, I think but, it's funny, but like, my, there's no new ideas. That's fine. That's what I'm really yeah, saying. Here. But uh, in, in the spoof anybody. of Herman's head, uh, the lust character is played by Wayne Knight actually like said something along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm brash and loud and horny as hell, which makes me Herman's lust and also the Fox target audience. Yeah. Uh, they made fun of a show called Studs, which was one of the most disgusting things oh, ever God. put on TV. <laughs> I, okay, so here's the deal. When you watch, like, think about, I want you to think about, if you yeah. haven't watched, like, old, old sketch comedy shows, think about a sketch comedy show you watch today. Like, think about the last, whenever it was, the last Saturday Night Live mm. show. They're so aggressively topical because they talk about, like, that's their gag. We can be mm. so topical because we do everything within the week. Right. That... 25 years later, it's not going to play the same. You don't even know what they're talking about half the time. Like, I was actually watching this. I'm like, I barely remember Wilson Phillips. There's an extended (laughs) Wilson Phillips gag. And I was just like, Wilson Phillips. I kind of remember Wilson Phillips, but like, it hasn't aged. And when you look at some of the better sketch comedy shows like uh, Kids in the Hall or Mm. Monty Python, a lot of their sketches aren't super topical. Well, They're just absurdist. A lot of them are absurdist, but a lot of them are really topical. Like, you look at, at uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus, yeah. and there are, in every episode, there's some sort of newsreader gag. They're spoofing the way the news was presented by the BBC. But that's not the actual gag. That's just the framing device. Right. That's just the format. But if, if you're you familiar... The actual joke within that If is, you're familiar with media at the time, it becomes sort of funnier, and you can see where a lot of it comes from. But my point is that but it you, hasn't aged that yeah. bad. I suppose so. It hasn't aged that bad overall. Uh, Whereas so, the edge is a lot of it is just like well the ooh. the topical stuff, yeah. But then there's also um, the, the sort of the central spirit of the edge is its violence. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> when you think about like a lot of sketch comedy shows, you think about like what's their personality? What mm. are what are we going for? And when it came down to the edge. The personality of the edge is we're the most violent sketch comedy show on television mm. to the extent, and you heard that clip at the beginning, uh, the every episode for until they change producers, until, yeah, <laughs> uh, every episode began with the entire cast being brutally murdered on television, right on. Yeah, so we on had uh, the first one, uh, the set collapsed on them, mm-hmm. and and well, and the gag was it's like we're we're here to give you the edge and we're going to do it live, and then the set collapses and it kills them all. Fortunately, we taped it, and, early. The, and then we have, hear a voiceover. Th- fortunately, we taped this episode, so you guys are okay. Yeah, but the like, cast is dead, but we don't care. I want to run down some of the deaths. Yeah. So uh, we heard the archery. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the one where. Uh, uh, a sword chops off all their heads. Yeah, a big sword swings down. and In some of, like, the worst special effects you can imagine, it's clearly just mannequins. Well, I think that's probably a good idea. There's one where, well, they, yeah. there's one where they flee, uh, and then they get hit by a car. Yeah. Uh, there's one in which uh, they're like, 
the audience ran a little late and they're already hanging from nooses. Yeah, they've already been hung. Uh, there's one in which the set is completely dark so mm. that no one can see them and kill them, but then, like, they turn on the night vision goggles from okay. Silence of the Lambs and someone shoots them all. Like, a, yeah, a sniper sneaks in. There's one where they're outside in a park wearing protective gear. It's like, we're outdoors, nothing can happen to us out here, and then they burst into flame. Yep, and uh, there's one in which uh, they get sucked into a portal to hell. An, an evil vortex to hell. Oh, apologies. Well, they're giving their intro, and when they give their intro, it's in just sort of a, a generic studio space. Like, mm-hmm. it hasn't been dressed yet. And Julie Brown is saying, here, here we are, we're the state, nothing's gonna happen to us this week. Like, they get, they acknowledge that they get killed every week. They're like, Kenny. And uh, then there's a, a guy working on a, a, like a panel, an electrical panel over on the side. It's like, hey, who are you? We're taping. You gotta get out of here. It's like, okay, I'm just installing something. What are you installing? And he turns to them and just says, very frankly, an evil vortex to hell. And the, and the floor opens up and they all get sucked into an evil vortex to hell using s- some really beautiful 1992 video toaster effects. Now, we we reviewed last year, I guess mm-hmm. now, um, a show that was also on Fox with Diedrich Bader mm-hmm. and Adam West, which was... Danger Theater. And one of the gags on Danger Theater was Diedrich Bader mm-hmm. starred in a one of those like travel from town to town solving crimes. He was, he was Renegade. Yeah, it was Renegade. It was yeah. a parody of Renegade, but at the beginning of Renegade, every single time they'd show him like and a plane would fall on him. And mm-hmm. our complaint was, why don't they change the gag every time? That would be mm-hmm. funny. That's the edge. Yeah. Uh, but over the course of the edge, uh-huh. uh, apparently Fox got kind of. It looks like Fox got cold feet because the show, yeah. the edge, fell off the show pretty hard. There were still a couple of raunchy sketches, a couple well, of violent sketches, about, but some of their most harsh material fell yeah. by the wayside. Uh, about halfway through, and the the first half is the better half by far. Yeah. When when they're getting really violent, there was a recurring sketch that they just called "Armed Family," and the joke was they're all really paranoid. They're always carrying guns, and they just shoot each other all the time. And it's weirdly topical, but also mm. something you could never get away with today. Exactly. It's it's just yeah. them being scared of everybody, shooting everybody, mm. shooting each other, yeah. and it's about how they live in this climate of fear. Mm. And it's, the only thing that the only thing that makes them feel safe is guns. But the guns are also the thing that destroys them and everybody they know. Mm. It, it's That's pretty, it's actually it's pretty clever and pretty pretty pointed. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's mm. it's also really violent and harsh. Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> at the same time, it's like one of their most well thought out sketches. Yeah, I yeah. would say, and, over and the there were the three or four armed family bits throughout. Uh, quite a few. I, I like the one where uh, I think it might have been the first one where we meet the armed family, and Jennifer Aniston is bringing Alan Rock home, mm. and. She kicks the door in, like, she's coming home, but she kicks the door in and holds out a gun and says, okay, it's safe, you can come in now, and Alan Rock is, like, this awkward, gangly boyfriend character. And then Mom comes in, she kicks open the the kitchen door and just shoots him. And he starts bleeding, and he's wearing all white, so it's, of course, we get to see all the packs of blood just oozing down his body. And every time a new family member enters, Alan Rock gets shot again. Yeah. Until Jennifer Aniston ends up murdering him. <laughs> well, it turns out he actually was a criminal who was yeah. going to steal all their uh, stuff. So they were entirely right in their paranoia. Um, let's see. Let's look at some of the stuff in the first episode. We had um, Reebok Pump Heels. Where, oh, it, it was the Doomy Pump. Yeah, okay. So if you might remember, uh, Reebok had shoes mm. with little pumps in the front. and then I they think there were still pumps. Do they still make them? I think so. I, okay, no. well, in any case, but, I, they were popular when we were kids. I don't think Anyone it's, I don't think it's Reebok now. anymore. I think somebody else bought the pump. But or, my point yeah. is that you would just inflate your shoes. Mm. By the way, I had those. I could never tell the difference. But there's supposed uh, to, Yeah, there's like supposed to be air packs inside that like make it fit more tightly around your foot? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, really, I honestly could never tell the difference. But mm. um, the gag is is Jennifer Aniston was just doing a workout, but then she sees a cute guy, mm. and so she keeps pumping her shoes until the shoes fall away and she's wearing pumps. Yeah. Kind of the whole joke. It goes well, the, on a long time. Well, the, jo- the joke is, it was called The Pump. Uh, the, the shoe was called The Pump, and that's what you called a nice, a nice pair of heels, and a phrase I don't hear a lot anymore are do me pumps or, mm. or F me pumps. Yeah. Like the, the shoes that women wear when they're on the prowl. And allegedly. Allegedly. That well that that was the nickname of a very particular kind of shoe. And not only is the pump no longer relevant, but I think even that phrase doesn't have a lot much meaning anymore. I don't know, right in. Do, do people still say do me pump? When, yes. when they refer to their sex and shoes. Yes, they do. do. They? Yes, right. I've heard it recently. All right. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, Mariah Carey fake music video. And mm. the whole joke is Mariah Carey can hit such high notes mm. that people's heads are exploding. Yeah. 
A lot of, ah. There's a lot of head exploding in this well, show. And my favorite one in the the mm. opening episode is the Instacom interactive TV, where you have a button at home, and if you like something, you press the green button. If you don't like it, you press the red oh. button. But the actors are hooked up, and yeah. if they'll they, respond. They, they, these, they have these like electric helmets on with that are wired, yeah. and if you don't like them, they'll get a shock. And it starts getting more and more intense as like they start doing things like, oh, man, this is so nice. Maybe I should go into the kitchen. Uh, or I'll stay here. And then a cute kid comes in. Like, <laughs> their adorable ragamuffin it's, it's rapscallion their, son. Their cousin Oliver bursts into the room, says, hey, guys, I have a puppy. And he explodes immediately. <laughs> Uh, so oh golly, that's funny. That was uh, th- this is a very Whitney show, in case you hadn't noticed. Um, well, it's here's the thing, you know, when when you're going to do satire, you know, it's it's one thing to sort of poke fun, and it's another thing to sort of really wryly take down. The edge just cuts out all the treacle and just says, "We're just going to literally destroy it. We're going to murder these things." But the problem with this, and that's a problem that the edge runs into constantly, is that when that's your attitude about everything, sometimes they do things that simply aren't funny. Mm. Um, I think they go too far. I think they, I think they, I think they hit the wrong targets. Mm. I think they hit targets that are just lazy targets. Mm. For, for example, in the pilot episode, there was a parody of Designing Women. I didn't get any of it. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch Designing Women. I didn't recall Designing Women. Mm. It just flew over my head, and I just, I trust you... Julie, I assume it's funny. Mm. Um, and then it ends with a prolonged, mean-spirited fat joke about Delta Burke, where yeah, she's just, well, like, wandering around cities the size of Godzilla, eating everything, because, get it? She's fat, and she deserves to be made fun of. And that that, that is sort of a lazy standby that Julie Brown fell back on a and, lot. And, and she does it with cultures, too. There's mm. a sketch series she does later uh, yeah, called the, Viva Glamour, in which she, the, uh, people are her, literally in brown face. Yeah, her, her funny Latina characters never made me laugh. Uh, and but, uh, with good cause, because, yeah, yeah those whole... Se- parodying... Uh, uh, like Mexican soap operas and the mm. conventions they're in, I think that's fair game. There's some funny stuff to be done there, but once you've got a whole bunch of people, a mm. white people in brown face, making fun of their stupid accents, mm. boy, is that aged bad. Yeah, it doesn't. That, that one. Doesn't Nor should help. it have been funny in the first place. But mm. my god, especially when yeah, Tom Kenny and they paint him really dark, and it's just yeah. no, that doesn't look good. And and it's really gross. The the gag is that it's a talk show, but it plays like a telenovela. But yeah, they're they're more poking fun at the culture than they are the telenovelas. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Every uh, once in a while, they'll even, just hit a weird target, and, and it's just not fun. And weirdly, that was after the edge was t- the edge uh, was taken off when they started to get a little skittish. Yeah, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, that too, I know uh, the safest baby store, which was basically someone coming into a store where they do mm-hmm. things to protect your baby from disasters, and they just take their baby and put them in more dangerous things. But see, your baby's fine. Yeah, you can like and you can light your baby on fire, but it's fine because it's wearing this thing. Uh-huh. And it's an excuse well, to light a baby on fire. It's an excuse to light a baby on fire, and then the baby, uh, because of a glitch in one of the things it's wearing, flies away to Jupiter. And they don't mm. know why, but sometimes they just fly to Jupiter. Yep, there you go. Uh, but that becomes a recurring gag where the safest baby saves other babies by just sort of flying through people's living people's living's room, living rooms. And then you get uh, a whole section that's literally just bad plastic surgery. And mm. you get a whole bunch of people who are like, it looked like they've been made up by Screaming Mad George. Yeah, that's But on a really, budget, like... <laughs> It's really twisted. It's really twisted, but it's also just kind of mean. Those mm. people don't look like you. Make mm. fun of them. And it's just kind of harsh for no reason whatsoever. Well, it, it was, again, this was satire of something that was going on at the time. There were a lot of sort of bat, botched plastic surgery uh, talk shows. Mm-hmm. Now, this this was the early 90s. This was sort of the rise of the... Uh, I, maybe this was pre Jerry Springer, but it was a, about the time it was about it was going to explode. Yeah, the tabloid um, television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember Richard Bay? No. He he was sort of the precursor to Jerry Springer, where everything was just really sort of wild and as sleazy as you could possibly get. Mm. Uh, let's see what we got here. Oh, here's one where they they started. They warned you that it was going to get offensive. The censorship warning, uh, where the following sketch has been censored, so you don't have to worry about it. And this sketch is Kevin Nealon doing mm. a guest bit. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he is in an accident, and the only way to save his ass is to give him a baboon's ass transplant. But anytime they say ass, they replace ass with an awkwardly overdubbed buttocks. A robotic voice saying buttocks, which I watched this episode with my mom, and to this day, she will do that gag. (laughs) She'll say buttocks buttocks robotically, thanks to this show. Um, I'm guessing that was something they actually had to do. That they couldn't, like the Fox censors say, you can't say the word ass that many times in a single episode. It does, you can say it once or twice, but you're saying this like 18 times. Well, because that's the thing. The whole sketch revolves around them saying ass over and over and over again. It doesn't revolve around them being censored. It really does feel like they put a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. Which is weird because well, it, Fox it, it had married it, with children on it. it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> such a strange one of the most offensive shows in TV history. It does add this weird absurdist um, flavor to that sketch, though. Yeah. Uh, there's a sketch on here which I really laughed at a lot, mm. um, in which it's the courtroom scene and says, Will you point out the murder in the audience? Oh. He points, <laughs> and they says, It's a defense attorney! She's pointing at the defense no, no, attorney! No, no, the get him, still, get him. Next, like, they can't see where exactly she's pointing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They kind okay. of like, like lean into her hand. It's the guy in the back! It's the guy in the back! Get him! Get him! <laughs> no, no, it's this guy right here! <laughs> That was funny. Mm. That was a that was a funny thing. Mm. Uh, There's this really ghoulish one about um, a guy who marries like a 99 year old celebrity and puts mm. her on his show so that I he think, can be a celebrity. I believe this was Julie Brown's favorite sketch on the show. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think she really liked. You this can one. tell because she really a it goes on forever and uh. b it makes the best of compilation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the whole thing. Julie Brown has a dark sense of humor. Can we just agree you on that? Bet she does. Okay. I, I admire it. The next episode. <laughs> Uh, was the Sleeps Week episode. And in this episode, they talk about how uh, TV stations will do anything for ratings during Sleeps Week. Mm. So uh, Carol is going to Hawaii. Two of the cast members are going to finally act on their sexual tension. Mm. Um, there's There's a sketch in that one called Cracklin' Crotch. I like crackling crotch. In which a guy has a crotch that it's, just crackles like a fireplace. Well, it's it's a western, and he's a, he's an old time old western gunslinger, and he has a crackling crotch. And uh, the problem is that it's just it's just kind of loud. Yeah. So Jennifer Aniston's trying to tell him, "I don't mind your crackling crotch." Actually, you know what? It's a little loud. It's a little loud. Yeah. Uh, that we should break up. If to start shouting over it, then yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is a whole section which feels very very much like a very pointed dig at the culture around Fox at the time. Uh, I mean, the, the bikini culture. Well, the bikini culture, mm. but also uh, the uh, uh, the boycott culture about it. Mm. Um, people would write into Fox saying this is offensive, and and uh, they've actually like responded to that and changed their programming because oh, people don't like it; it's too offensive. Right. This is before the internet; people just tweet it. They would actually have to <laughs> right. write a letter. And so there's a whole sketch that's just three suburban women watching television, yes. uh-huh. eating phallic objects, and saying, I counted 60 crotch shots. Here, I taped it. We'll watch it again. Yeah, and, and clearly they're, like, getting off on watching these nudie things and just sort of, like, tisking as they do it. Yeah, which is kind of an obvious joke, but mm. um, not, not entirely unpointed. Um Let's see what we got here. Is this the illustrated sports episode, or was that later? Uh, this, no, that was that was earlier actually. Oh yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that that was another one that just wasn't very funny. The oh, whole, you, like, you don't like that one? No. Okay, so Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. You know it. You've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would do like documentaries about making it, and they would do talk about like the models and what their lives are like, and mm-hmm. how they all want to get the cover. And, right. Right. And so they did an extended sketch of. Jennifer Aniston and Julie Brown and other mm. cast members playing the models, and the joke is models are dumb. Yeah, yeah, that's all. We're gonna we can get about eight minutes out of that, <laughs> and it's just sort of like I get it. The one bit where it was actually kind of funny was the bit where um, but, uh, she's not dumb; she's just literally scared of everything. Yeah. So they hand her a kitten for a oh, shoot. It's like, oh, I have to work with wild animals. No. What's the name of that actress? She was in Heather's. Oh, was she? That's yeah, fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that bit was long, and I didn't find it terribly fun. I, I, I found it funny just because they're they're satirizing that sort of horrendous TNA culture that Fox persistently celebrated. True, but they're also and, making fun of the 
people being of, exploited. Of the sometimes. Mon- well, they're, they're, I, I, I can't get too mad because they're funny, dumb jokes. Eh, I can't. And, uh, and it, they weren't all just dumb. They also Julie Brown played a, a, one of the models, and, and she was a homicidal maniac. And she was just a homicidal maniac. Yeah. So the, the joke was, we're going to overlook and any flaws that these people have as people, mm-hmm. just so we can you know exploit their bodies. See, I like to so the, it's it's kind of satirizing the culture more than the people. There are three kinds of sketches uh-huh. on the edge. There's here's the idea for a sketch and then we're gone mm. just boom yeah get it they get it quick and then uh there's actually something like really genuinely funny and mm. then like like a well thought out sketch gag uh-huh. and then there was something topical that they milked for way too long mm. for example here's a funny one uh they did a psychic chat show in which mm. uh, there were three psychics sitting around the table <laughs> and people would call like you know like bring bring yeah. we have a caller Dave, your wife is cheating on you. You should break up with her. <laughs> like without ring. without they say yeah. anything. Oh, thanks. That's yeah. what I was going to ask about. Ring ring. It's nothing. It's only assist. You don't have to worry about it. Mm. It's totally fine. Like they don't need because the gag is why do we have all these psychic shows and like why don't they know what you called? Mm. That was the pervasive gag for a long time, mm. and so they actually like turned that into the joke. And damn it, that was funny. There's another psychic gag too, where they're having a seance and they contact Albert Einstein. Mm. And, and they only want to ask him stupid questions. And yeah, like everybody wants to ask him important questions except for one of them who wants to ask, like, whatever happened to that, that actress from the Jeffersons? Is, is earwax actual wax? Yeah. <laughs> and he's played by Tom Kenny. And Tom Kenny is hilarious on this show, by the way. They're he, all giving it their he, all. He, uh, he had a long stand-up career before this. In fact, uh, the reason we call Bobcat Goldthwaite Bobcat rather than just Bob. Well, yeah, he's Bob now. But he was Bobcat for a while because he and Tom Kenny would tour together and they were Bobcat and Tomcat. Oh, and, I didn't know and that. And Tom Kenny was Tomcat Kenny. The 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 person on the show I thought was actually mm. a real discovery is Wayne Knight, who has a mm. great career as a character actor, but he doesn't get always get to show a lot of range, and he's a chameleon in this. Mm. Like he he does a great Curly, he does a great Marlon Brando, he does a really funny Stephen King, <laughs> where it's just Stephen <laughs> the King, nerdy Stephen King, just freaking out, mm. Jeff, desperately trying to turn everything into his house into something scary, mm. and his wife's just like, "But you, why are you trying to write so much? You have eighty manuscripts in the closet." He opens up the closet, full mm. of manuscripts. So that only lasts me a week. I got to get more. Get it? Stephen uh. King is prolific. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Well, I think I think all the cast is is pretty great. Um, mm. it, although poor James Stevens the third, like he he gets an opening credit. He has he has no highlighted sketches. He has no recurring character no, to yeah, speak of. He, he's, he's not in it very he, much. He's just sort of off to the side, which is odd given the fact that some people who aren't credited in the opening have entire bits. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We have an episode here about uh, Jennifer Aniston going to a self-help group, but it's a man-hating women's group called KKATM, Kill, Kill, All the Men. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> there's a fun one where the concept is funnier than the actual execution, but it's a bunch of uh, people living in a trailer home, and their lives are literally everything you read in the Weekly World News. Yeah, so, like their yeah, daughter yeah. comes home and she's dating a mm. Bigfoot, and they take a picture of them, and behind them is like a flash burned into the wall. That's the picture mm. of Jesus. Yeah. Well, it it starts out you think it's going to be just sort of a, a trailer trash joke. Mm. It's like this woman gave birth to a kangaroo if that was not in the paper i would not believe it but yeah as it turns out all of that stuff is true in in their world uh here's here's a sketch that aged really badly there's Mm. an entire segment that's just princess diana trying to kill herself yeah and failing that's not funny after 1997 kind of shouldn't have been funny beforehand Um, it a lot of this was playing on sort of the tabloid culture at the time which which is where i think a lot of the fat jokes came from like Mm. delta burke julie brown doesn't care that Delta Burke is a large woman. She, I don't, but she, I, don't know that, I, th- but, you I think know. she, well, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't, but I think what they're reacting to is the way a lot of the tabloids were treating Delta Burke at the time. She had put on weight, and all of a sudden the tabloids, National Enquirer and those those people, started touting, oh no, she got so big. They were doing that with Oprah as but well. But here's the thing, though. They're not making mm. fun of the tabloids doing that. No. They're making fun of Delta Burke. No, but and they're, that's, they're, why the, they're that's why the target that. is wrong. You see what I mean? Yeah. There? That's why I couldn't laugh. Mm. If they were joking about the tabloid making too big a deal out of it, mm. then I might have laughed. But instead you're just picking on Delta Burke and I don't mm. know any particular reason to pick on Delta Burke. No, I don't well, know of anything not. she's done that's actually worthy of mockery. I think uh, she maybe was, I'm not remembering her well. Maybe she was a terrible I, person. I know I, know, I, yeah, I, know she I, was, I don't think so. I think she left designing women over some sort of conflict with uh, 
with the other. All, I, all I remember is that the public was sort of had turned on Delta Burke at that well, like, point. Here's one. Here's one that starts off as a cheap target at celebrity, mm. but actually ends up turning it on uh, celebrity fan culture. Mm. There's a sketch called Lipo Snacks. Yeah, which is disgusting. It's by the so, way, it's so gross. It's it's what it sounds like. The idea is all know. these celebrities have had liposuction, and now you can get you can buy cans of their fat cells and eat it. And there's I think they used tapioca pudding. No. It was really gross. Like creamed corn or something. It's so gross looking. One of the we haven't talked about this, but there's one actually really kind of funny series of rapid fire recurring sketches that's what's blank doing right at this moment. Yeah, right this minute. Yeah. So the gag is what is Elvis Presley doing right this minute? And it's him like performing for Martians on a UFO spaceship. Yeah. Okay. What 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 Chewbacca is doing right this minute? He's and trying he, to comb over his bald spot. You know, yeah. it's it's like not enough for a sketch. Uh, kind of funny for a second. Most well, of the last five seconds. Th- this is something that I I had really been missing from watching something like Saturday Night Live. Now mm. I know Saturday Night Live is ostensibly live. I know there's like some delay and some taped mm. segments, but you compare that to something like Monty Python's Flying Circus, which is taped. They can script something, they can edit it quick, they can edit in little tiny gags, and the pace of the show is really fast. Do you compare it even to something like Laugh-In? Laugh-In is... Fr- Have you ever seen, like, just a proper episode of Laugh-In? Yeah, it's really fast-paced. keep up. It is yeah. so fast-paced. And when you compare it to Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live is a fucking drag in comparison. <laughs> like, you, you, want, you want the sketch to be over 90 seconds and it goes on for eight minutes. Especially like every back in the time. 70s yeah, brutal, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. It, it's hard to sit and watch an entire episode of Saturday Night Live from any era with any cast. There has never been one great, solid episode all the way through of Saturday Night Live. There's always one or two sketches which you just want to end. There's a musical guest you don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> How does this show? And what happened partway through when David Merkin was kicked off the show, I can only call the Lorne Michaelsing of the edge mm. because they took a lot of the, the death humor out. They took a lot of the, the darkness away mm-hmm. and they started focusing more on guest stars and their celebrity impersonations and things that felt like more general satires of TV well, in the Saturday Night Live mold. True. I also and the think pace the, of the show slowed down considerably. I also think that they tried towards the end there. I actually think this this part of it was a good idea. Because hmm. um, one of the problems with The Edge is because there's no clear framing device, because hmm. there's no uh, clear mission statement other than be edgy, um, you don't necessarily put together a relationship with the players. Mm. That's one of the things about Saturday Night Live is you just sort of like connect to various people who do the sketches and okay. you want to see them. So you're a big fan of Will Ferrell. You're excited to see the Will Ferrell sketches. But here there really wasn't a lot of that. And mm. it's only in the later episodes that we start doing gags behind the scenes of The Edge. Yeah. Which honestly should have been darker, should have been funnier. Yeah. But the concept of let's form at least some small connection to the actors so mm. that we have a reason to want to visit them every week. It's not mm. a bad idea in and of itself. Uh, well, it, it just wasn't funny sketches. It is for that show is the thing. Uh, you look at something like Seinfeld, the whole gag of Seinfeld was that, and they said this when they pitched the show, mm. uh, no lessons, no hugs. The, the whole gag of Seinfeld, and this has been repeated endlessly, is that it's a show about nothing. Mm. That they're not it's going... never been a show about nothing. They're not going to... Well, the point is they're not going to grow as people. There's not going to be sort of the warm moment. People did end up connecting with those characters, which is baffling to me because they're all terrible people. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. And that's what the Seinfeld a show is. about how a stand-up comedian gets his material. That's what Seinfeld's about. It's not mm. a show about nothing. It's got oh, a yeah. very clear premise. Mm. That was but it. The, he would, the, the he would do a stand-up that, bit, that he, and then you'd see the story about how he came up with that bit. He and all of his friends are shallow, horrendous people. <laughs> yes, agreed. Agreed. 100%. And I think The Edge was trying to take what you're talking about, the thing that made the show stronger, and 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 literally murder it. You're they talking don't about want making, to... It, there's making it stronger, um, and then there's making it... Because here's, here's what I kind of wish they just named The Edge. Hmm. Desperately trying. <laughs> Just desperately Des- trying. Desperation, the comedy show. And there's something about that that can be really, really funny. When you get a bunch of comedians, you just take the safety off and just like, mm. look, we just need ratings. Mm. Just go for it. And yeah, yeah. the hit and miss ratio is, 
honestly kind of bad, but the hits are really great. Mm. Um, uh, I, I, I think it's like, I think that there are definitely misses. There are a lot mm-hmm. of sh- things that don't go on. Uh, like, I would have to go on a long tirade to explain who Dr. David Viscott is to you, for instance. Mm-hmm. Do you even remember Dr. David Viscott? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> There's a whole long extended gag that satirized Dr. David Viscott. Yeah, no memory of it no. whatsoever. But uh, it's like you know, Tom, Tom Snyder, one of those late night guys that you would only see if you were up after Saturday Night Live. Right. Um, they did okay, but there were some good ones here. But, one of my favorites was uh, Casper the Friendly Boy, mm. which is just a kid walking around his neighborhood saying hi to everyone, being really nice, and he gets hit by a car. <laughs> I'm like. That's a funny sketch. Well, how, it's dark, but it's funny. Well, that, that's that's based on something that some people have brought up. Matt Groening famously asked, you know, who who is Casper the ghost of? Is Casper a little dead boy somewhere? Mm-hmm. Yes, Casper is a boy who died. And he thought that Casper was the ghost of Richie Rich because they looked really similar. They also did a sketch mm-hmm. that was the premise of Galaxy Quest. Yeah. A bunch of aliens try to kidnap William Shatner so that he can save them from bad guys in space because they watched a bunch of Star Trek. Mm. But then they accidentally shrink themselves down too far because they're bigger than he is. They shrink themselves down into his underwear and accidentally shrink his penis into nothing. And then half the rest of the episode is just William Shatner talking to various doctors about how to get his penis back. These are the jokes. That's wonderfully absurd. These are the jokes. How marvelously absurd. How wonderfully droll. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, there's uh, the I Love Lucy sketch in which the idea is they've... Oh, they've... Fox has exploited Lucy to the extent of their abilities. Yeah. So now the only way to get ratings with Lucy again is to bring Lucy back in new episodes by... What is it, Wayne Knight said? Or no, I guess it's Alan Ruck. Mm. I forgot who the, the producer was, but it said, using a combination of special techniques and dark magic, we've been able to bring back the cast of I Love Lucy, and now they're all dead. Yeah. They're, they're all zombies. They're falling apart. People yeah. are sewing their arms back on mid-sketch. No. It's kind of funny. I think Desi steps out, says, Babalu, and his head falls off, and that's all we see of him. That's kind of funny. Mm. That's, <laughs> that's kind of funny. The one I actually thought was kind of fun, because they just really thought the joke out, was the history of 911. Where Alan oh, Ruck plays the guy who like yeah. invented emergency services, but he hadn't quite figured out the formula. So at first it was a P.O. box, and mm. someone mailed him saying, I'm on fire, what should I do? So and yeah, he writes he, back. He thinks for a moment, then writes back and says, go, go roll, to a... No, roll on the ground as soon as you can. Yeah. And then it, it gets to him, but he's already dead. It's then he thought about... charred skeleton. Then yeah. he thought about going door to door. It's like, excuse me, is anyone in your house on fire or being murdered? Mm. No, not today. Dang. <laughs> then he sets up like a lemonade stand yeah, where people and, wait in line with their emergencies. And he just tells everyone, go see a doctor, go, go see, see a doctor, doctor, go see a doctor, go see a and, doctor. And the guy in the back of the line who's on fire, he just yells, go see a fireman. <laughs> and uh, and then, only then, does he come up with the phone number. But the phone number was not 911. Yeah, was, the phone number was, help, help, I need emergency uh, services. Yeah, just spell it out with a rotary dial. And yeah, in... Then a decade later, he's like, well, he decided to sort of streamline it, so he had to take uh, the lyric of a famous song. And somebody, like, here's a prowler. They pick up a phone and they type in help. Okay, that's good. But then, I need somebody help, not, not just, just anybody. Any- oh! She's on! Oh, being the, murdered the, on the, the phone. gets her, yeah. yeah. See, that's a funny sketch. They thought that one out a bit. Uh, let's see. Oh, we didn't talk about Barb. The recurring character uh, Julie Brown plays of a sort of oh, Midwestern, Midwestern mom, middle-aged yeah. mom, housewife, and times are hard, and she has to take on extra jobs. And every Which job she, she takes, she is, takes like the sleaziest possible jobs without really realizing her, what she's done. So she takes on a sex worker, uh, mm. a phone sex job. Ah, uh-huh. but uh, she's just so nice. Oh, uh-huh. get it. Uh, then there's like, oh oh well, what am I up to right now? Well, I'm just sitting here in an office, you know. I yeah. got got my sweaters. I'm gonna knit. Uh, then there's one where uh, she uh, signs up to be part of an escort service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's very excited. She gets to wear this Catwoman costume because it clearly they he, they he wants me to escort him to a fancy costume party. Yeah. <laughs> and then the weird one where she's gonna work teaching arts and crafts at a women's prison, mm-hmm. and it gets weirdly violently sexual, <laughs> like in like this weird mm. uncomfortable way. 
It's not and, cool. And she, and she's uh, oblivious throughout Constantly all of oblivious. Another recurring character, she and Jennifer Aniston play groupies to Guns N' Roses. I think in only maybe two or three different sketches. Only two or three, yeah. Uh, and and um, they... Uh, they hide out in their... Uh, in the. Guns N' Roses luggage and the idea is they're going to go to Japan and it's like well if they're going to go to Japan without us who are they going to have sex with of course Guns N' Roses have groupies everywhere right but they they don't realize this so they're going to get into their uh their luggage and of course the luggage gets lost and they as, as the story progresses, they they die they cut turn into living skeletons but they still have their breast implants they end up eating their makeup there are also scene. uh there's also hairdressers played by Julie Brown and is that another Carol uh uh Carol Rosenthal Carol Rosenthal I think it's yeah. Rosenthal uh, and they're hairdressers, mm. and they have hairdressing adventures. Yeah. One time, they accidentally kill somebody, <laughs> and they have trouble figuring out what to do with the body. Mm. These are the I, jokes. I, I, well, I just I adore that this show uh, just sort of goes for it. There's that sort of air of death over a lot of comedy. Yeah. Uh, especially sketch comedy. It's like, well, everything's really sort of desperate, and we're kind of satirizing or making fun of, or just bringing to light how sad and horrible lives can be, and we laugh to take the edge off. The, the Edge uh, runs in the opposite direction. It's like, well, yes, everything's really horrible. Let's just take it, take that to its logical conclusion. Okay, and but- the logical conclusion to a lot of this is these people, you know, rather than, oh, no, my home life is sort of miserable, it's I'm going to murder my husband. But rather than have it be sort of wicked ghoulish fun in the Tales from the Crypt mold, they keep it in that sitcom language. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's here's the thing that keeps me from liking this as much as you do is mm. when your whole idea is just push the joke as hard as violent as you can, mm. um, life is pain, kill everyone, oh. um, that gets old real fast. It's the reason why oh, I can't okay. watch Family Guy anymore. It's like, oh, I get it. You're pushing. Uh, you're pushing mm. the limits. Yeah, the, the, I, I'm. I'm done. I'm. The, I haven't watched that show in like ten years. The, the frat boy nihilism in, in Family Guy was like, I, I was able to watch that for a couple of years, and I, I, I could feel myself outgrowing it. It's like, yeah. the, you, the, this frat boy like, nihilism isn't doing it. for Like me they anymore. do. What, there's a sketch in the Edge where uh, they have their own version of Pound Puppies. You remember Pound Puppies, mm. the uh, adorable, <laughs> adorable dog toys, and uh. the whole idea with their Pound Puppies is uh, Pound if Doggies. If you don't buy them, we gas them. Yeah, just like the dogs at the Pound. They're <sighs> so tra- kind of acknowledging this thing about Pound Puppies that a cartoon show never bothered to acknowledge. Uh, there's uh, there's a sketch in which Madonna wants to shoot a music video. Inside herself, mm. using uh, using yeah. gynecological uh, uh, the gynocam, yeah, and, and in a truly and this was after the David Merkin departure. So they go inside uh, Madonna's vagina and or inside her uterus, I guess, and there's just a bunch of celebrities in there. And and the actors get to do their celebrity impersonations. Uh, Carol Rosenthal does a great Sandra Bernhard, but why is she doing it here? It's like, why is Sandra Bernhardt in Madonna's vagina? It doesn't make any sense. There's a really and we- Wayne, Wayne Knight plays. Is it Buddy Hackett? I don't know. Yeah. There's a weird uh, a recurring segment in which a a nerdy Star Trek kid mm. starts dating a troll, like an actual troll, like, like a lives troll under the doll, bridge. Yeah, but she looks like a troll doll, and she's played mm. by Julie Brown, and she can like turn his parents into cow patties because they don't like her and don't trust trolls. Mm. And she can scream and make people's heads explode. It's not as funny as you'd think because it's actually oh. just shrill. I, I, I like that character a lot. You like the troll. Yeah, I like the troll. We're, we're, we're discovering the difference between Whitney and my sense of humor right now. Well, I, I told you that this show really did... This this came out in 1992. That was the year I turned 14. So this did inform a lot of my sense of humor as an adolescent. And mm-hmm. uh, it came very much out of the time. Uh, you know, I was a, most certainly a child of the 90s, or I guess an adolescent of the 90s. And that sort of trying to tear down everything in an extreme fashion was something that was really appealing to me. It, it kind of spoke to my, te- I guess, my teen rebellious spirit, if I had any. And that's fine. And but- and, uh, and I, I really appreciated that a lot of TV uh, at the time uh, was geared toward that sort of, uh, not just deconstruction, but destruction of convention. And yeah. I think The Edge was kind of, kind of exemplified that in an important I way for think, me personally. I think shows like The Edge overestimated how well constructed some of these things were in the first place. For mm. example, uh, there's a, there's a, in the Kathy Ireland episode, mm. uh, she 
does a bit with the Three Stooges where they're her bodyguards, uh, but then they accidentally knock her unconscious, and then she wakes up in bed with all of them, and it's mm. treated as really funny. Mm. And it's not. It's yeah. horrifying. Or uh, then there's this, in the same episode, they do a gag of misery, except it's Woody Allen, and he's been like tied to a bed yeah, by well, Mia Farrow. Again, and, this, boy, is that not funny? This this was after the... the, the Scandal. This, the, after the scandal, after the, the, the lawsuits, and... Yeah, it, when they became a little bit too reliant on celebrity and celebrity impersonations, the show really did fall off. And, you know, okay, you can do sort of sort of a passable Woody Allen. What do we do with that? Well, rather than base that on an actor who can do a sort of passable Woody Allen, what do you, what do you have to say about Woody Allen? What do you have to say about Mia Farrow? I, I mean, the, 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 even in 1992, it seems not entirely topical. Like, I think the TV movie had already come out at that point. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually one episode that, uh, there's one sketch that felt weirdly prescient in which they basically did Twilight, but with a Santa elf. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston is met by Wayne Knight, who Mm. is one of Santa's elves, and he's so alluring, and we Mm. hear her inner monologue, and she can't resist his charms, but then his elf wife shows up, and he murders her right in front of Jennifer Aniston, and Mm. that's one, that's one took over the line. It's too far for her. Just a little bit, but she will always think of him wistfully. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Uh, Let's see what we got here. Suzanne Summers is selling the Lip Master. Mm. And she can't get the... The ad right. That's one blowing it. That's one. That's like a five second joke that they try to milk for two minutes. But Julie Brown sells it though. Julie, she really you does. Just she, love she, Julie she, Brown. I just love Julie Brown. Okay. She puts this weird appliance. I love in her, her too. She, I don't she's, think she's infallible. She's wacky, and I like her. I don't think she's infallible. Right. Uh, there's one I did like. If you might recall, Secret Deodorant was strong enough for a man, but made for a woman. Mm. And the whole gag is uh, Tom Kenny is saying like, "Oh, like, can I use your deodorant, honey? I'm out." He's, he's like, "Well, it's strong enough for a man, but it's made for a woman." Oh, so I can use it then. No, it's literally made for a woman. It's pH balanced. You can't use it. So he tries and it blows his arm off. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. That's kind of, kind of a cute guy. That, was, that, that made mm. me laugh. Um, and then the, the final episode um, was a best of the edge. Mm-hmm. You'll notice that all the sketches came from the first half of the show. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. None, none of them came from after the, the Merkin departure. And... The the framing device for Best of the Edge was Julie Brown and Wayne Knight not playing Wayne Knight, Julie mm. Brown playing herself, and Julie and Wayne Knight playing I think Skippy the the editor the editor yeah uh, have to go through all of the tapes and uh, find the good ones find the good ones and they accidentally destroyed the master reel so they have are just sort of playing things randomly mm. so the Best of the Edge is just sort of random sneezes of stuff and uh, various actors from the edge mm. keep popping up to try to convince Skippy to put their best sketches in the show. No. Jennifer Aniston tries to sleep with them. Mm. Tom Kenny offers him money. I like I like Tom Kenny comes in. This like Jennifer Aniston comes in is like, "Well, you know, do do this for me and I'll do something for you." And Skippy doesn't get it. That's the gag. And it's like, "I'll sleep with you, you idiot." Okay, fine. I get to sleep with Jennifer Aniston in 1993. And then Julie Brown merges with an act saying, "No, you got to do it my way." Tom Kenny comes in and his first instinct is, "Oh god, you're not going to offer me sex, are you?" Like that's his assumption now. Oh, I don't know. I thought Sex with Tom funny. Kenny might be great. I don't know. He's 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 a spry man. He's very creative. Mm-hmm. I bet he's great. Uh, uh, and he, he uh, married his co-star, Jill Talley. Another thing I noticed was uh, the music for The Edge changed about halfway through mm. the season. It started off with this kind of hard... Yeah, the, the, the theme song changed. and It became a little more... Um, upbeat. Upbeat, more like Latin-flavored, a lot of trumpets. Mm, lots of fun. We just want to be, we just want to be friends, you guys. Mm. Mm. And um, I'm, I'm at a loss with this show. Christopher Ting, uh, who went on to do music for Futurama and a lot of mm. other uh, TV shows. I'm at a loss with this show because mm. I kind of feel the way about sketch comedy shows mm. in general, with a few exceptions. There's some that I generally love, Kids in the Hall, for example. Mm. Um, I feel the same way about them as I do about anthology movies. Mm-hmm. Often they're worth a watch, but its consistency is elusive. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to the edge, when it's consistently funny, it's usually either just brainless violence, which can be funny. I do like it when they just keep trying to find new ways to kill the cast. That at mm. least is inventive violence. Mm. Um, or it's occasionally just something that's really absurdist. There's one cute one where uh, Wayne Knight is the head of the CIA and someone runs in and it's like, we found a mole in the CIA. Okay. I mean, it, do you mean someone, an enemy agent, mm. who is spying on our various sh- shenanigans for a foreign government, or do you mean an actual mole? 
No, I mean a foreign agent because the last time he brought in an actual mole. Uh, no, 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 no. It's a foreign agent, and he brings in a cage with a hedgehog in it. Well, it's not, it's not a mole. mole. It's a. Yeah, it's <laughs> couldn't a get a mole. They got a hedgehog, <laughs> and uh, he's just like, get out. <laughs> and that goes on for a bit as people bring it. Sir, this room has been bugged. Do you mean a listening device? Or you mean an actual bug? No, it's over there. It's crawling around. Slap. <laughs> That's the kind of like. And then, of course, the punchline is the hedgehog was actually an enemy agent. And that's and a funny. Like, yeah. that's, that kind of absurdism is, is really, really mm. funny. The topical stuff is really hit or miss, especially today when you have to, like, scrunch and go, was that a show? Are they actually making fun of something or did they make that one up? Like, it's just so, yeah. like, studs? I am so glad I'd forgotten what studs was. I'm sorry it brought it back. Studs is studs one of the most really horrible exactly. shows in TV okay. history. Studs. Uh, oh, golly. Okay. It's not quite as bad as like that reality dating trend from the early 2000s with blind date and the fifth wheel and all but that. But it's the precursor. It, it pre- yeah, it predated all of that. But the idea was uh, three women and two men would date in all the various iterations that those people can. Yeah. And then after the fact, they would come back into the studio and just converse about their dates. Spill the beans. But the idea was they had to like talk as sleazy as possible. And I think they got prizes for like saying certain sexy phrases or doing sexy things on their dates. It's and uh, it wasn't like cash prizes. They just got like buttons they would wear on their shirts. Yeah. As just sort of showing off. They wouldn't there was no prize. It no. was just a dating talk show where they t- Talked to you know, Chuck Barris, of course, was laughing in the corner while, while Studs was on the air. It's like, ha, ha, I did all of this. <laughs> Damn you, Chuck. I ruined culture on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> They're bringing back the gong show. <laughs> all right, I ruined culture on purpose needs to be a t shirt. <laughs> You know Chuck Barris is proud of like every horrendous thing he has done. Of course he yeah, is. Yeah, like, like the the dating game that was his baby, the Newlywood game that was his baby, and yeah, that was kind of kind of the death of TV in a lot of ways. Well, basically, it's just like, oh, you mean uh, we don't have to try? Yeah, we, we can, don't have to make something good. I like, did you ever see Confe- that, when that hit the yeah. news? It was all over for like Western civilization. Yeah, did, like all of it was gone. Did you? Uh, yeah, it's it's over now. It's been over. We're, for a we're while. kind of yeah. The twenty four hour news cycle is meaningless. Um, did you ever see Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? Of course. There was yeah that great bit where his inspiration for the Gong Show is he's auditioning talent for whatever reason and he keeps imagining he's like I hate these performers so much I wish I could just kill them it's like that's the premise of the Gong Show what if we have them perform and if we don't like them we kill them well, we can't kill them well we we hit a Gong and they're just off <laughs> <laughs> and celebrities do it and the winner gets a toaster it's like they got oh. more Gongs than the guy who like, lit himself on fire. like he literally pitched that show in about ten minutes and like nothing no thought went into the Gong Show yep. And you know what? I watched the Gong Show, but I feel like you can a, say that a friend, about... of, a friend of mine. A uh, friend of mine, his dad won on the Gong Show. No so, kidding. Yeah. What did you win? A trophy and ten grand. Ten grand? No shit. Yeah, I think That's it was ten pretty grand. good. Okay, um, but I feel like a lot of these like sketches that they have are just as much thought. Mm. Went into some of them. Yeah, like that's that's it. Just like mm. oh, what what a fly is doing right now? Where's the feces? Mm. Like boom. That's it. Mm. Boom. Well, lunch. Boom. It's it's four seconds of film. That's not an eight minute sketch. <laughs> Some of the eight minute sketches are pretty thin. Too. Like and you, and what I love is that sometimes you can feel like they're producing under duress. It's like what what are we gonna do? We have four seconds to film. I know. Go outside, film something, and just have a you know, funny voice. Well, look, that's boom. We filmed end, it. It's, by the end of the you edge, can, you can. It's like here's, it's here's, like those forty eight hour film challenges. It's like you're given a genre at the beginning, and at the end of forty eight hours, you have to have a completed short. I w- I did like sketch comedy on like closed circuit like comedy shows at UCLA, and uh-huh. that sort of. I've gun. seen some of them. Red, yeah, I showed. It was terrible, right? And, uh, and it turns out one of my friends who I I've never seen the two of you in a room together, but the two of you did sketches together. Back or in the like, day. or like for the same thing. I don't know if yeah. we were doing them together, but yeah. So like, I know that running gun. I also know like when like you know it's bad, but you're doing it anyway just to fill time. There's mm. a sketch in this which is basically just how to grow popcorn, mm. and it's Jennifer Aniston with a bag of popcorn, and she puts popcorn in dirt, and then she covers the dirt and gives you a thumbs up. Mm. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> that's or how wow. to, how to ruin a picnic, and you just murder one of your friends in that same sort of style. Well, that would do it, I yeah. guess. Or Jennifer Aniston gets killed with a shovel. <laughs> uh, 
if the edge had lasted 100 episodes, it would have been the same shtick over well, and over again, right? I mean, like, how could it not be? It would have gotten new cast members. Yeah, this, it would have varied a little but This is one of those shows like uh, Police Squad where I, I love it and I also don't want any more because I, it's special in its rarity. Uh, and and even the stuff we got, like half of it is, isn't even that good because yeah. they had to change halfway through. Well, I also don't know if it was always that good so to begin it was, with. It's really hit or miss. It was it was that weird thing. It was it was too too weird to live, too rare to die. Thank you, Hunter. Uh, so are you saying that? Oh, so are you saying that the edge was canceled too soon? Or? No, I don't think it was. I, okay. I, I, I we agree, but for different reasons. If if they had come back, I think they would have had to redouble. Uh, maybe if they had gotten some sort of. Uh, deal with a cable station like they had moved on to pay tv and they were able to be edgy again right maybe they could have revitalized themselves if they had stayed on fox with the same team this show needed it to would be have on... been a little bit tamer from the, like moving forward in the early 90s there was only one place this show could have thrived and that's mtv yeah, yeah. That's the only place the show could have found an audience, mm. been appreciated, and in which the kind of success that it had would have been enough. Or maybe would not, because uh, one year after this went off the air, this was, it went off the air in 93, 94, The State debuts on MTV. Yeah. And The State, although the flavor is definitely different, it's a different aged cast, they have a very different sense of humor, they're still going for that sort of deconstructionist vibe uh, on The State. And I think we kind of... Even with the state, you know, we kind of got a little bit of a continuation of the edge in a way. But at the same time, even the state didn't last that long. Well, it lasted longer than the it lasted longer than the edge. It lasted longer than the edge. It only lasted two seasons. But yeah, Still, even then, it was. The, I bet the edge would have appreciated two seasons. That's true. The people making it would have been like, yeah, that second season would have been nice. Yeah, for sure. Although, wait a minute, when did Friends premiere? I'm oh, curious yeah. if that would have gotten in the way of <laughs> Jennifer Aniston's all star yeah, if, career. If, if the edge had taken off. Yeah, the next year. <laughs> was, was Friends. So yeah. She's probably like a year later, Jennifer Aniston. Auditioning for Friends in between filming segments for The Edge. Yeah, if, if The Edge had taken off and it was a big hit, we would not have had uh, Jennifer Aniston on Friends. Probably not. Probably would have had somebody else. And, and then who who's, knows? Who's, who's who to knows say who if the show would have been better or worse? Who with knows who would have starred yeah. in Picture Perfect? Yeah, golly. Could have been anybody. <laughs> or the object of my affection. Yeah, Tara Reid would have been getting all of those too roles. Too oh, yeah, young. she's too young. Uh, mm. So the edge. Uh, that mm. is it. That yeah. is it for Canceled Too Soon. Uh, if you want to listen, we had, uh, we know this episode's a bit late. We had a letters episode. Mm. Uh, that we recorded. It's not on the main Cancel Too Soon feed. We want to leave that for reviews. However, anyone can listen to it for free mm. at our Patreon account. You don't have to be a patron to listen to this episode. Or they it's do up, listen up, to the other open stuff. to the public. Patreon.com slash Canceled Too Soon. Canceled with one L. Uh, we tried to read as many letters as we could. We got through all or most of them. We got. We actually caught up. Okay. We caught up all our letters. And thank you for writing. And we always like getting feedback from our listeners. So we talk a lot, a lot of stuff there. Mm. We talk about some of our pet peeve TV tropes. Mm. Someone helped me redefine my take on humanity. And I want to thank you for that. <laughs> that's cool. So that's a uh, lot of fun. And then next time on mm. Cancel Too Soon proper, we are going to have a review of a show that was chosen by our patrons. That's right. Uh, you asked us to review Kitchen Confidential, based on the book by Anthony Bourdain and starring Bradley Cooper and John Cho. And uh, and Bradley Cooper not playing the same role he played in that movie Burnt, where he also played a, sh a celebrity chef. Weird. So I guess he was trying to make that happen for a second. Weird. Um, so that's going on. That's, mm. uh, that's what will happen next on Cancel Too Soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, don't forget, we're on Patreon. We have bonus stuff on Patreon, bonus episodes, bonus podcasts. Um, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, I guess that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. 